pray, Lord, would you just teach us, speaker and hearer alike, as we come to, for many, I guess, what is a well-known miracle, but we just pray that the freshness of your word would minister to our heart and soul, in Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 6 is a very long chapter, and it's a chapter that, that is filled with so much important teaching. That's not to say that other parts of John's gospel and other scripture is not important teaching. Um, But it is such that we cannot kind of just race through it. It begins with crowds flocking to Jesus in view of what they had saw in, in the miracles that Jesus has performed. And it finishes with many of the same crowds deserting Jesus because of his teaching. Verse 60. And in between the two, we we have accounts of Jesus feeding the 5,000. We we have an account of, of Jesus walking on the water. We have Jesus giving a theological meaning uh, to the miracle and to the feeding of the 5,000, actually the real meaning behind it. And John begins with the statement sometime after this. And so we can't be sure how long has passed since what, what we looked at last time. Although if you were to look back to chapter 2, you will see that we read there that the Passover is near. And if we look at verse 4 from our reading this morning, we also see that the Passover was near. And the Passover was a once a year feast. So it is more than probable that nearly a year has passed. A year when Jesus would have continued his ministry much of which is recorded in the three other Gospels. And he would have carried it out mainly in and around Galilee, but now here in John chapter 6, he is back in Galilee. And there are just a few things that I want to kind of flag up just now that are important that we keep in mind. Firstly, Galilee was a very poor region. It was, as one writer says, a peasant agricultural society. Wealthier elite. They they, they lived close to the soil. They labored hard. And and basically their their, their primary issue was just down-to-earth matters of food and the means of livelihood. That's the kind of area that Galilee was. A sign of that poverty is actually given by, by John in this account, uh, John speaks of, of, of the little boy that, that Andrew found, of how he, he had five small barley loaves. Well, well, barley was considered the bread of the poor. Another important thing to remember, and, and we'll consider it in far more detail in, in the coming weeks, is that this miracle, this sign of, of, of bread being, being given and, and fish miraculously is as the feast of Passover nears. And as we will see, that the, there are a number of similarities to, to this feeding, to that of, of Moses feeding the Israelites 
in the wilderness, showing again that for those who truly have eyes to see, those who have ears to hear, those, as we were thinking last week, who have a heart to believe, Jesus really is who he says he is. Lord Jesus, let me meet you in your word. Many of them. This is the only one of, of Jesus' miracles or signs, as John prefers to call them, other than the resurrection of Jesus himself. But this is the only miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. So that has got to be significant as well. So we'll look at the first 15 verses and we'll see what we can learn. Four things to endorsed by Jesus and they were satisfied by Jesus, confronted by crowds. The context is so important. And the context of, of when John talks of Jesus and the disciples crossing over to actually what is quite a remote and distant place, the context of that was in order for Jesus and the disciples to actually get some rest. Mark's account tells us that it came hard on the heels of, if you like, a successful preaching tour. The disciples had been sent out by Jesus and they had come back and, 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 and they were tired. It comes hard on the back of them hearing that John the Baptist has just been beheaded. And it is in that context that Jesus says to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. That's the context. And that is something I would suggest, friends, that we all need from time to time. Some rest. Some time alone with Jesus. Do you daily have a time alone with Jesus? Yet, such was the interest in Jesus, or at least in the miraculous signs he was performing, that wherever Jesus went, crowds were sure to follow. And, and this day, over John's death, Jesus takes them away and sits down with them on a mountainside where no doubt he was going to minister to their needs. Yet, as verse 5 tells us, when Jesus looked up, it was good to look up. He saw a great crowd coming towards him. And again, Mark in his account tells us that he, Jesus, had compassion on them. And he tells us the reason. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. We have seen this caring and this compassionate side of Jesus before. We saw him that a couple of weeks ago with the man lying at the pool. Where we often read, he not only saw the need, but he met that need and will come to meeting this need shortly. But, but for the moment, how often can we be in that same situation? Tired. Feeling weary in ministry of one kind or another. And notice I said in ministry, not of ministry. There's a kind of world of difference. Maybe grieving. 
and you feel that you, you need that rest, yet the crowds, whatever crowds it might be, as it were, just keep coming. <laughs> the, the, the sheer human and spiritual needs of the crowds can be overpowering. And we just need to look up and we just need to look out and we just need to see that there is need all around us. What do we do? How do we cope? Well, let's see what happens. Not only were they confronted by crowds, notice, Jesus turns to Philip and, and, and probably because Philip kind of came from that area and kind of knew a little bit of the locality and such like. But anyway, Jesus turns to Philip and says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And Philip responds by, by thinking again, as we've seen previously with some of the other disciples, Philip thinks on, 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 on the literal, on, purely on the, on the material he looks at this kind of crowd and he says, eight months' wages wouldn't even buy them a bite to eat. And John is clear about why Jesus did this. Because he tells us that Jesus was testing Philip. Jesus often tests us. Faith isn't that, hasn't tested, isn't faith doesn't tempt us. He tests us. And he tests Philip because Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. Jesus had a plan. It's always good to have a plan. But this challenge by Jesus is more than just to Philip. And we see in Philip's reaction and, and, and the other disciples' reactions how not to react to, to the crowds that might confront us. Again, were we to use Mark's account, Mark tells us that the disciples' first response was kind of, just get rid of the problem. <laughs> just send them away. <laughs> Too much hassle. It's late in the day. It's a remote place. Let them buy their own food. A kind of, it's not my problem. Let them sort it out themselves. You see, friends, the problem with that is some, many, can't sort out their problems. And these crowds have been attracted to Jesus. Friends, we need to have time for the hurt and for the lonely and for the seeking and that can be hard that can be draining that can be time consuming but we can't turn them away we can't turn them away then as I touched with Philip Philip kind of counts the cost in financial terms. We look at the crowds, we look at what lies before us, we look what's coming towards us and we think it's beyond us. 
We don't have the resources. Eight months' wages wouldn't even buy them a bite. See, Philip thought the answer lay in having enough money. That can be a trap. If only we had this amount or that amount. If only I had this or only if I had that. Yet we're told that we have everything that we need in Christ. And we'll see just in a little moment that with even little, with Jesus is much. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But he was testing the faith of Philip. And he wanted Philip not to rely on the physical, not to rely on the material, not to rely on the financial, but to trust in the sufficiency of God to provide for his people in his way. And we'll come to the main purpose of, of the, this, this sign, and, and this isn't it, but this, I, this is a huge, I found this hugely challenging. Do we, will we trust God to provide? Or will the scale of the task, whatever that task might be, cause us to fear? Jesus here had a plan. And that plan was not going to be thwarted. It certainly wasn't going to be laid aside by getting rid of the people. And it wasn't going to be thwarted by the lack of money. There was too much at stake. Do you remember the description of Jesus as he saw these crowds? They're sheep without a shepherd. They're lost. And what do we see when we look out today? Because people are still equally sheep with and as today, as then, they need the bread, the life-giving bread that only Jesus can offer. Can you say something about the challenge that confronts us? We many challenges that confront us, but the challenge regarding the building across the road. We, we look at it, or there's a danger that we look at it, and any of you who have been in it will know what I mean, and think, oh man, this is impossible. Think of the money it'll take to buy. Think of the money it'll take to refurbish. But on what it can be. And if God is in it, and we believe he is, then he will provide. And he will provide, no doubt, in a number of ways. And, and, and one of the ways is through us giving towards it. Even sacrificially giving. And Jesus lays down a challenge to Philip and to the disciples. Here is a crowd in need. What and how are you going to deal with it? And the same challenge is given to us also. 
what will we do, as I said, with whatever the challenge is that confronts us? Well, again, let's see what happens here. As thirdly, not just confronted by crowds, not just challenged by Jesus, but we see the crowd resourced by Jesus. Preparation is always important. And it was a good job, wasn't it, that this little boy, or his mum at least, encouraged him to take his packed lunch with him this day. And we read in verses 8 and 9 that Andrew somehow finds or comes in contact with this boy, and John wants us to really grasp this, who has five small barley, you know, it's no one of these big softy baps, five small barley, the cheapest of bread known at the time, five small barley loaves, and two small fish. Notice the detail John tells us. And Andrew does what Andrew does in that he brings a boy to Jesus. Do you remember what Andrew did back chapter 1? Upon Andrew coming and finding Jesus, the first thing he did was he went and got Simon Peter and brought his brother to Jesus. May we all be Andrews. Did Andrew, I, I, I wonder, Peter and Saint of Scotland and all that, did, did Andrew somehow believe even with such a meagre amount, five small loans, two small fish, such a, such a small meagre amount that, that maybe, maybe, just maybe, Jesus could do something. I, I, I don't know, I happen to think perhaps he did. Why, why, why bring it, why bring it to Jesus' attention if, you know, such a small offering for such a large problem. Why bother? But he did. He carried everything. Five loaves and two for everything. And then Jesus takes control of, of, of what is given to him. You see, that is, I was going to say, that's not, that, that is a mark of true discipleship. Giving our all to Jesus. Jesus, all for Jesus. All I am, all I have, all I ever hope to be. All my hopes, all my ambitions, all my hopes, plans, dreams. That's all, he, that's all this boy had. It's like the widow in the temple that gave in the might. It's all she had. To give it to Jesus. No matter how meager it might seem. No matter how small in relation to the task that is set before us. And Jesus gets the people and he, 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 he gets them to, to sit down and, 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 and he takes the bread and, and, and he gives thanks and, and he did the same with the fish. And then he's distributed, the, distributed them among the 5,000 of them. Matthew tells us that the crowd numbered 5,000 men besides women and children. So, take your pick of how many was there, but there's more than 5,000. This, friends, is truly 
given to him, small and meager as it seemed, and thousands were not only fed, and we'll come to that in our final point, but had as much as they wanted and more. So it wasn't that they all just had a little bite or just had a little nibble. Or that, you know, as some say, well, you know, others were shamed because the wee boy brought his packed lunch out, so others brought or bread theirs brought. Others better bring theirs out. No, this is a miracle. In many ways, the, the application is really simple. And I've kind of mentioned it already. When we give Jesus what we have, he can do great things with it. Whatever it is we have. However, there's also another point I think that it's well worth making here. That's why it will take so long to get through chapter 6. Jesus, do you notice what John tells us? Jesus gave thanks for what he had. Or what he had been given, small as it was. Five loaf, two fish for 5,000. How thankful are we for what we have? Great or small? How often do we give thanks to God for our blessings? How often do we give to him that which we have allowing him to use sees fit? Of course, the best thing we can give him is our life, isn't it? Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to me. Take my silver, take my gold. Perhaps rather than, and I'm preaching to myself here, okay, but perhaps for what we do have. We'll have the opportunity to do that tonight as we gather for prayer. I wonder how I wonder how that little boy felt. <laughs> I wonder as he as Andrew brings him to Jesus and as he hands over the, the loaves and fish, imagine his surprise when he witnessed just how greatly Jesus used the resources that he had given him. What joy that Jesus used what he had given him. Oh, that we would know that joy. And as we give ourselves to Jesus and see the way that he will use us. Our resources in and through Christ, brothers and sisters, are more than enough for whatever we face. Confronted by crowds, challenged by Jesus, resourced by Jesus, finally satisfied by Jesus. I have deliberately used the word by Jesus here and not in Jesus. For as we will see, there is a difference. We are told that everyone had enough to eat. Their appetite was satisfied. Indeed, they had as much as they wanted. So 
I guess here in this miracle, there really is such a thing as a free meal. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and to make him king by force, which was never the will of the Father nor Jesus' ministry. Okay? Jesus knows what's in the heart of man. They intended to come and take him by force by what they had seen in these miracles. Jesus withdraws himself to a mountain. And we see here again what we have already noted. (coughs) That many are only interested in Jesus for what they can get out of him. And in this case, they were fed physically. But as we will see next time, this miracle, this sign is more, it is much more than people just having a free meal. If that's all we see here, great as that miracle is, but if that's all that that we see here, then we've missed the point and I've kind of failed miserably in trying to get the message over. Another challenging thing from this passage was the comment by Jesus in, in, in verse 12. Notice carefully what Jesus says here. Gather up the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Wow. We live certainly today in the Western world, in a world of plenty. We also see a horrendous, perhaps even sinful waste of food. Food that is just kind of thrown out when it is perfectly edible. That's not a main point of this miracle, but it's an important point. Jesus would know none of that. And Jesus tells the disciples to pick up the leftovers. And there were 12 basketfuls. Now, some commentaries go into great detail about, well, it's the tribes of Israel. And anyway, there was 12 basketfuls left over. There was nothing to be wasted. That really has challenged us as a wee boy and probably because I was one of six, but like my mum would never throw anything out. She could make anything out of just about anything. But just that little let nothing be wasted. Physically. Materially. Spiritually. Let nothing be wasted. Jesus in in Matthew 4, where where he is tempted uh, by by the devil. Remember uh, the the first after he'd been in the desert for 40 days and and 40 nights and and, and the devil came to him and and, and, and tempted him to turn stones into bread to alleviate his, his physical hunger. Do you remember what Jesus replied? Man 
does not live on bread alone. These people who had that fish and bread that day will get hungry again. And just like the woman at the well of Samaria, where Jesus offered her living water, so here the whole purpose of this miracle and of this sign is that Jesus, we feed on him, we need never hunger again. But you know what? It will be on this teaching, and we'll come to it and whenever, but it will be on this teaching that many then will desert Jesus. You see, they will not be satisfied in Jesus, in who he is, by him, and take the blessings, but forget the teaching. That's what's happening here. And it's imperative that we understand the theological meaning behind this miracle and this sign. But we leave it here this morning and we see that many of these crowds were more interested in their stomachs than their souls. And Jesus is here showing that just as he has water to offer, which will never cause us to thirst, so he has bread to give that will never cause us to hunger. Who are you drinking deep of? Who? Are you feeding upon? Bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. That satisfaction in Jesus. Do you know it this morning? I trust, I pray that you do.